All right, we are live, and it is, don't tell me, Monday, October 8th, 2018. Welcome to episode two of Funny Like a Clown podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. We're here to make you laugh. We're here to amuse you. I got big shoes. He's got a big nose. And, no, I'm kidding. That's like an Italian stereotype, right? Yeah, he's got a big nose. But we're here to prove. See, his nose true. is no bigger than mine. That's all true. See? No. <laughs> anyway. We are here to uh, discuss comedian Robin Williams, and uh, let me set the precedence for this. Uh, we're in the big town of Gardner, Massachusetts here, and we got the big chair. We got a big chair because it was once the furniture capital in New England. Right. And what else we got in Gardner? You know, that's, that's it. about it, right? We got a big chair. We got a big chair because we were the furniture capital. But uh, you give a class on comedy here locally at uh, Mount Washington Community Mount College. College. Yep. I took the class 10 years ago. Yep. We've been friends ever since. Ever uh, since? 10 years. And uh, during the class, you posed the questions to the students. You went around the class, you asked them, who was your favorite comedian? I chose Sam Kennison. Once we were done, I posed the question to you. I said, well, who was your favorite comedian? You thought about it for a minute. You started to shake your head, and the words that came out of your mouth were Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Yeah. Well, what made those words come out of your mouth? Robin Williams uh, was such a one of the pioneers, along with Kennison, Dangerfield, Bob Hope, you can go on. One of the originals, yeah, Godfathers. But uh, um, Robin Williams is one of the ones, not that he broke them all, because Sam Kennison did his own thing. Sam Kennison made the Rant and Rave thing. It's not a shock comedy, he was the first shock comedy. When he ran and the Rave, yeah. it was always funny. It was always funny. It was yeah. very creative. But the original. You know, and, and he just, look, if you call him. They're already calling, so you at the restaurant I work at. But, uh, but Robin Williams broke the mold for just somebody who just stood on stage and saying things came out of his mouth. It just, he was big he on was, improv. He could take the moment and just turn it into. He'd tell you stories, and they say the Italians, they always got to use their hands. Well, he was like that. He, he, you know, he was telling the story, and he was acting it out. Yep. As he was telling the joke, he was acting out every minute of it. But uh, And he never stood in one place, which which amazed me, because most comics stand in front of, right the, in front of the mic and tell jokes. Yeah. Bit, but he's so he gave he's a show, physical, yeah. and he's going back and forth. And, and he didn't do like well, how we always talk about how comics can make us nervous when they pace. He paced, and it made you interested. Right, like, what's going to come out? going with the routine that he was doing, right? And, yeah. and that provided his energy. And I looked at someone like that, saying, "Like, what is that feeds off the audience? How did he do that?" He gets them involved. A lot right. of us can't do it. I mean, you could do it. Well, you're like that too. You're high energy. Yeah. I'm on high energy. Right, and that a lot of are, yeah. And, and you feed off the audience. And when I saw him doing that, and when I first started watching comedy, when I got in my teenage years, when I could understand it, and yeah. in my twenties and thirties. I said, this guy's brilliant because... And people think, you know, that crowds are there almost to laugh, and sometimes you got to get the crowd going. It's yep. tough to get them on, yep. and yep. high energy will do it, and Robin surely had it. And it's, and it's not an automatic, but he always made it look so easy. You yeah, see, he was a natural. Good. He was. It was some people so, are naturally... And what's going to come out of his mouth next? People got to work at it, but uh, what's your earliest memory of Robin Williams? Earliest memory of him, I think I watched like, like an HBO special. It had to be in the 80s, and he was on... He did like a one-man show, and it's just incredible. And I just watched him, and, and he and he come out, and he go from one level to another level. To, so it's like he had the seriousness, and then he get get into it, and then he go totally off the wall, totally unexpected. Totally, it was one story after another. He he wasn't so much for punchlines, but he'd tell a story, and the, the story was just funny. Every part of it, right, was right. him acting it out. But 
I guess most of what I remember him for was Happy, Happy Days. Days and Happy Days. Right, that was a spin-off from Happy Days because right. he played Mark on Happy Days. And right. I remember the old uh, the Fonz with the Fool and the Mark with the Finger and then Cross. Right. And, uh, that was the big thing. And and that's another memory just to see him like before he get famous. Then you'd say like, oh, that's the guy from Mark and Mindy. Wow, how did he do that? And he was one of the few. And if you think about it, think of many comedians that could transition from TV to movies to comedy. He's one of the few, and everything was successful. Yeah, I don't don't remember much he had that went wrong. I mean, he was one of the few comics that could keep working and and had a a built-in audience that would just keep coming out to see him. But uh, sure, then he went on to Mark and Wendy, which lasted, I don't know how many seasons it lasted for, but I mean, it was one of the hot shows on TV. It was one of the must-watch. It was what, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Wendy, they were the must-watch you had to be home for back then. Because TV was it. You didn't have the internet, you didn't have all that. I mean, you had your must-show... Then, uh, the thing he was big for was like turning, I mean, he'd take this cup of coffee and he'd just out of the blue tell you for a half hour he'd go off on a cup of coffee and make it oh. funny. He'd make it funny, but then they brought in Jonathan Winters, who was another he legendary was, was improv comic, right? He was his mentor. And yeah. them working together, that, that extended the show, you know, a little longer than it probably would have ran to begin with, but, yeah. uh, then, then he hit the, the, the movies big time, and I remember the, his first big role, which a lot of people forget, was Popeye. Yeah, and, and... The thing about Popeye, and people never, if you watch the movie, he would say things under his breath like Popeye did. And those he things under his breath were yeah. funny. And some of them, what are you laughing at? And I'd watch him and go, watch it again and watch when he watch comes what out. He about. When, he, when he's talking about olive oil or he's talking about being a, he'd say words wrong like Popeye used to. Backwards, yeah. Remember when they were like, I guess, uh, ladies of the evening, he, He'd say, uh, more like, uh, like you're in a house of ill repute. He goes, more like house of ill repute. You know, he'd say something like that. Right, right. Like, How'd you catch that? You gotta listen. Well, they said, I'm working many things. Remember, he used to talk fast sometimes yeah. when he was going off, and they said he talked fast because he was trying to get it past the censors. He figured if he said it quick, the censors yeah. might not catch it. He yeah. could get it past them. And being NG on TV, that's what it sells, but you had to get it past the censors. Mm-hmm. Right. That was how he did it, was going from talking fast, but uh... And he started the improv at that show, because maybe he'd make up lines and people would be like, let him go with it. Yeah, just yeah. let him go with it. They did that with Jonathan Winters, they just put him in like an old attic, they built an old attic or stuff, and he just went down to each piece and just made a comedy routine out of each piece in the attic. And you watched him a lot too, remember you were a kid watching Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, back in the day, he was one of the so Godfathers, yeah. And Robin took what he did and brought it to the next level, you he know. He was like his son, a legitimate uh, son. What, what were some of Robin's favorite movies that you watched that he did? God, so Good Morning Vietnam stands out Good Morning Vietnam! You know, he did the half serious, half funny. Yeah. He made fun of the government. He, he made fun of being in the military. And he's all officers saying, like, you gotta get him off the end. No, we gotta keep him on here because he was famous and the soldiers uh, loved him. They wanted him, yeah. That was Bob a Platoon, I remember. Yeah, that. Definitely. Was, they were doing the military movies. And, and he was more like the modern day uh, Bob Hope. Which, which was helping kind of the military. Right? Yeah, he was yeah. doing the military, but he had his own radio show, and then the military realized this guy's famous. This guy's helping our soldiers. We gotta keep him on. He could take any any role and just make it his own. He really, you know. Then later, I mean, he was known for comedy. But then he did some serious roles as actors. Yeah. And even as a serious actor, he really pulled it off. I mean, he won. I don't know if he won Oscars or Grammys or what, but he was really. Consider for a lot of dramatic roles, which you know you remember as a comedian, not a dramatic actor. But what was, that, what was it? Twenty-four hour photo with the one where he was. Uh, oh, he was the bad guy in that one. Yeah. Um, creeping the, on the girl. The one with the kids, the Dead Poets Society, where dead he played a teacher. Yeah. And he played a serious role there, and it really it was an inspiring movie that inspired Very you. Inspiring. Um, I know one of your favorites. You said was Mrs. Doubtfire. That's the all-time classic. And 
Mrs. Doubtfire was just, uh, he improv throughout that movie. And again, you had to catch the little things that he mumbled when he was Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, right, right. Uh, 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 um, like when uh, Pierce Brosnan was, was a new boyfriend of Sally Field. And they went to the, uh, uh, what was it, this private club. And they were in, in the pool. And, and she goes, oh, look, there he is. And he's looking at the little girl and goes, oh, look, Annie, that's, that's liposuction, he says, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and he mumbles stuff, too. Same deal. And if he didn't pick it up, he'd be like, what are you saying? What are you saying? You had to rewind. Oh, and Mrs. Delphite was brilliant, you know. Oh, I mean, me, I, I fight for father's rights. I'm an activist for yep. that. And that became one of the all-time movies, father's rights, because, you know, we had to portray a woman to spend more time with his children. That was the way he got around the system. And it became a all-time movie for that. And, and I believe that that was one of the... Second or third movie that a guy impressed a woman, the other one was Tootsie with that. Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman yeah, yeah, yeah. And he pulled it up, but it was funny, but Robin Williams made Mrs. Doubtfire such a smash, such a family movie, such an anybody movie, a date movie. And it was like, anybody could watch it. Nothing offensive. You yeah. could have your kids watch it. You could sit and watch it with your mom saying, like, he's not going to say anything bad. He played around with women's parts. And he, he, did, he turned the painful watch. situation into something funny, though, which was what, you know, what he was known for. Which I like the message at the very end. Yeah. Defining yeah, what a family yeah, really is. And I'm sure that. that, that that and it's true. Oh yeah, it's yeah. everything we already said. It's true. I did want to say one quick story about Rob Williams. Sure. I saw him even at Federal School. Was uh, he got a call one time, and it was from the Make a Wish Foundation, and uh, they had a little girl, and I forget what disease she had. She was only 12 years old, and she only had a week to live. And they said they asked her what her dream was, and they said it was to meet Robin Williams. They got in touch with him, and they said he never asked for any money. He said, "What's her address? Tell her I'll be there tomorrow." I said that was one of the coolest things, you know, never ask for flight money or anything. He said, you tell her I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. He was giving back. And I know you do a lot of charity benefits. You like that too. I am too. We like you to give back. I mean, a lot of comics, they'd rather get the big payday. I mean, you'd rather get gas money and help people out because that's just how we are. But right. he did the one, I don't remember the name of it, where he was a doctor where he went to a, a clown, dressed up as a clown, and he went to uh, the hospitals. And uh, he'd entertain the kids. Uh, and that was off a true story of, of that was. It was an actual that. doctor who did that. But I remember you telling me one time that'd be something cool you'd like oh, to do with something like that, that. Go entertain the ill. And, and, and the closest I would get to that is going to uh, hospitals and uh, talking to support groups or talking to support groups outside of hospitals. Or even right now when they do the Hope Lodge in Boston, which is the Hope Lodge, right? Yeah, yeah the so patients are there, and I do shows. As I say, laughter is the best medicine, right? It. That's what they you know. Love it. Yeah. If you can laugh about it. And, and that movie, now it slips me too, but that movie, he, uh, that was actually a real life situation that a doctor did help out kids who were ill. Yeah, it was a true story like, that wow. he was a part of. Patch Adams. Patch Adams. That one was Patch Adams. And it was a great movie, and it was sad. Some. Uh, respect because it's helping kids that probably don't have longer to live that he made their day, he made their day. Yeah, that made him forget about the pain for a while. We can't yeah. cure your problems, but we can make it forget about them for a and little it's while. it's so ironic, and you know this, and I'm not trying to step any questions, but he was depressed. He had depression. Oh, sure, sure, we're going to get to that. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Which a lot of comics are. That's a cover-up for a lot of comics' pain. That's why they get into comedy. Yeah, it's, right. it's an escape from their pain, but... Um, you know, they say, how do you beat diseases? How do you beat cancer? How do you beat multiple sclerosis? How do you beat multiple industry? Is you have to laugh through it. You can never lose your sense of humor. Right. And I date a girl right now, Amy, a sweetheart. She's fighting MS. She's a doll. She's a doll. And I'll tell you what, 
Every I day she has a smile on your face. Hey, sweetie. She has a smile on her face. She never lets her disease. She jokes about it, you know, yeah. when she falls down and she'll get up and she'll say, well, after you're done laughing at me, pick me up, okay? But that's <laughs> how you beat it. You can't let the disease, you know, get you depressed. You have to, she has a smile on her face every day. Just, uh, just yesterday, she's at my house and she, she tripped in the bathroom. She's okay, but took out my sink and she said, pick me up, picked up, hugged her for a minute. We laughed about it. So, well, we got the sink fixed, but at least you're okay. But she smiled about it. That's how you beat the disease, right? She's a good kid, yeah. She was oh, a So, uh, what are some of your favorite memories of Robin Williams? I mean, <sighs> stuff that he did. I know that him and, uh, and a couple other people, I, I, it might have been Billy Crystal, they raised money, they raised awareness for. I think it was homeless. The homeless, yeah, they yeah, did yeah. that big, big thing. The big yeah. It was on HBO, and uh, it, it, it was such a wonderful special. And and, uh, and and yet he did the same thing, and he played off. I think Whoopi Goldberg was with him too. Yeah, uh, and Whoopi and Billy Crystal. And they played off each other, but he was in command of that that whole situation, the audience, the jokes, because it, you know he didn't need to dictate it, but. You know, out of the three, he was the he was the veteran comic who usually right. takes charge of the whole thing. Don't get me wrong, the other two are, are very good comics, but he was you the focused legend, on yeah. him because you were waiting him to say yeah. something. Yeah, it's like, oh, so that's that's comic what, relief. That's what it was. Yeah, and, 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 and that was such such a good thing, and 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 that impressed upon me. I'm sure impressed upon you and other comics. He was a helper. Like a lot get. of comics weren't helpers, and you know, he was one of the ones that like to give back. I, I was I mean, like that. That's one of my favorite. Memories and other memories are just the roles that he played in movies. And like I said, for him to be successful in comedy and acting, doing movies and TV, right. you don't get many that can pull that off. I mean, you ever think he put out too much? Because I remember there was one time where he had a movie coming out, I wanted to see it, and then another movie had yeah, like, two movies out at yeah. the same time. I was like, wow, I love you, man. I can't keep up. You're yeah, doing so much. It's good to keep busy. I know you keep real busy in comedy, but I mean, do you think there's overkill or do you think it's never well, enough? There's overkill, but it, it depends if you have that energy. You got the level. drive, yeah. And energy comes from above. It's a gift from above. And not many people can have it where they go 24 7 and say, like, oh my God, I'm always thinking of stuff. I'm always doing stuff. I got to do this. I got to do this. Right. But I mean, I work that way. But him, he was like, but energy. that's what gets ahead, right? Or the karmics who right. go hard right. at it. If you sit at home by the phone waiting for it to ring, you don't think the ones that are going to get ahead. Well, that's like you take the opportunity to come across you, like, you had a chance to go to Alaska. You, oh. you went to Vegas, you went to California. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm supposed to go on, on a TV show with my friend from New York. I, I've got people that want to be on my other shows I have and have on my cable show. But they're from all over the country. My friend Butch Bradley's such a comedian. You live for the opportunity. From out there, he goes, can I come in the show? I go, yes, we can Skype you in. But it's like, if you don't take those opportunities and put them off, then these people who want to do things for you, they're like, ah. They might not come around I again. Right, but, yeah. but you, you got to end. You know, too, when someone says, hey, I'd like to do a show with you, Dennis, you'd be like, all right, well, let me arrange it. Others say, like, yeah, I'll work on that. And then by the time you're working on it, not a road, you're busy. There's somebody else you know, or something, you lose the opportunity, yeah. We all have that drive, and, and, and some have it, and not that some don't, but some can handle so much. But you're working full-time job. Yeah, it's tough. You, you do 50 you, hours a week of comedy on top of it. It's, 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 uh, you do comedy. You've got to have the drive. You have the sure. show. You have this. You have shows that you Together, some good big shows you put out. You brought some big comics out there, and and and, and you help Amy a lot. So it's like there's so much. A lot of work, a lot of fun, right? So it's like, but as long as you survive and you can do it and you keep it up, you help. Why not? Because fun, yeah. twenty years you may be like, ah, I'm kind of tired. Now. Yeah, you don't want to live a regret. I wish I did that. I wish I did. That. You do it now. So many people do. So many they people do. do. All right, so let's read Wikipedia here because we all share something. 
Robert Williams, born July 21st, 1951 to August 11th, 2014. American actor, comedian, born in Chicago. Uh, before, uh, started performing stand-up in San Francisco and Los Angeles in the mid-70s. Uh, he is uh, credited with leading the San Francisco comedy renaissance. I remember somebody told me about that. He was really the guy that brought back the scene of comedy out in San Francisco, yeah. After rising to fame as the alien of Mort and Mindy, William steps a career in both stand-up comedy and a feature film and acting. He was known for his improvisational skills. Uh, stand-up comedy, improvisational. Uh, Popeye in 1980 went on Good Morning Vietnam, which we mentioned. Uh, the Dead Poets Society. Aladdin, that's right, the cartoon Aladdin. Aladdin. I forgot yeah. about that one. Uh, the Birdcage. Birdcage um, was a different role for him. Uh, yeah, he, he he wasn't afraid to dig on different stuff. For a lot of people, they don't want to risk you know losing what they got. But yeah, he yeah. had no fear. Goodwill uh, hunting. Yeah, Goodwill hunts is another one. Which uh, we got a friend, Colleen McCauley, who does comedy. Where she was in that movie, I believe. Right? That's right. Had a small role. Oh, yeah. Hello, Colleen. Hey. Um, Colleen. The world according to Garp. I don't remember that one. I do. I remember that one too. Yeah. Here's a classic I forget about. Moscow on the Hudson. I remember oh, watching that right. one. I cracked up on that. That's an that old time classic. Oh, wow. Uh, the Fisher King. Uh, I remember that one. I remember yeah. that one really made you think. Homeless guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, for he lost his family and he couldn't accept it in his head. He was Whoa. homeless. And, uh, one hour photo, which he mentioned, which photo, he took yeah. on a really different role. He was the bad guy, which well, he, he used to see. Yeah. Too. Oh my God. He looked. He looked a fire. Uh, Hawk, that's right, he was in Hawk, he played uh, with uh, Dustin Hoffman, that's right, I remember that. Uh, Mrs. Doubtful, Jumanji, this one was Jumanji, Jumanji. Very funny, yeah. Uh, Night at the Museum, that was another one. I think oh, they made two of those, right? Yeah, two, yeah. Two Night at the Museums. Uh, here we go, he's nominated four times for Academy Awards, winning once for Best Supporting Actor for uh, his performance as a psychologist in Goodwill Hunting. So. Yeah, which he deserved that. And received two Primetime Emmy Awards, seven Golden Globe Awards, Screen Actors Guild Awards, Grammy Awards. Um, yeah, I remember him at the, uh, the Comedy Store. Uh, he did a lot of stuff right here with Sam Kennison out there. He was one of the originals with, you know, Pryor out there in Dangerfield at the Comedy yeah, Store to set the scene out there. But uh, he's among he's amongst the big boys, but he stood up in his own way, not to get all the attention, but he was one of the, like the he guys you mentioned. There's a lot of big name comics that do great at stand up and they don't hit it on the movie thing. He yeah. really hit it on the movie thing. He could pull that off. He did both. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. All right. If anyone could pull it off, it it, it was uh, him. And, and you know, I think like you say too, everybody has an inspiration. You have Sam Kennison, yeah, I, yeah. I have him. And but more than likely, the two the two we mentioned probably a very popular one with a lot of different comics. How they say. These, these people inspired me because of the way they did comedy, and uh, you know we can see why. Uh, I mean, there's, there's good reason. Yeah, we all. I mean, I did, I did the TV show, The Comedy Kitchen, and one of, one of my favorite questions was who who were the comics that inspired you? And nine times out of ten, it was the legends, the Pryor, the Carlin, the Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, it was always the legends. But I put it out there on Facebook here. I mean, so let's go over some of our friends here. Their, their comments of. Uh, of Robin Williams. I said, some of your favorite memories. Uh, Michael Mancusa said, oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. that was one of his famous lines. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mike. Rodney Worth. Uh, it's called an E, not an I like me, but... Uh, Related, was, no? No, I don't know. Does he get an E? 
just a close name, but uh, eight years old. He clearly remembers uh, Mort for Mort on Happy Days and realizing I was watching a comedy genius. And you did. You knew back then. Oh, you knew you saw something big coming, man. He just had the charisma. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, which we mentioned, uh, his HBO special, Live at the Met. Yeah, that was a lot. And, and you know, and I don't think he was up there for an hour, and I don't think he told one joke. It was all no, stories, all and it was yeah. all improv, and it was yeah. all funny stuff. And that's a genius. So, can you imagine if you told him if he was alive today? He said, "What's the longest they did to get to eighty hours? Hours, yeah. You just stand up there, and, and God knows how long the improv could last. Some people tell you a story, you get bored, and you tune out. You never tune out. You sit there no. with bated breath. No. You want to hear more of the story because he made it so funny. He's the one you want around uh, with, with, with a bottle of liquor and three you at the table. He's one of those from Beth Cormier. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, Donnie Buzzle, he was one of your former yep, students, right? Yeah. So many, but when I first saw him, more into your happy days. Those yeah. were his things that gave him his big break. Uh, Mike Ferguson, live at the Met again. Uh, Jay Vance, uh, his stand-up, when he told the story of how golf was invented. Uh, I live in Boulder, Colorado, and met him when I was working in an Italian restaurant. And he was doing Mork and Mindy. Wow. And you know what's cool is some of the, some of the, Gabriel Iglesias says, you know, if I ever see you on the street and you ask me for a picture, I would be honored. I don't turn into an asshole when I'm off stage. And right. A lot of comics do. These big names are nice on stage, and if you meet them outside, they turn into the biggest jerk. I lived in California, and I actually, my father raced horses. I was at the horse track, and I ran into Grandpa from the Munsters. And I was so thrilled. I just wanted to mock him. Get out of here, kid. Get out of here, mother. He was the biggest jerk. It was like, oh just rip the little kid's soul out. I was so thrilled to meet him, and he was such a jerk. I was like, oh my God. I said, man, if you hit the big time, don't ever forget where you came from. And no, he, he forgot, you know, which I didn't dig. And he did. He achieved lots. Yeah. Uh, Amanda McIntosh, uh, one of his famous lines, you're only giving a little spark of madness, you mustn't lose it. That's true. And you know, yeah, that's true. You always make the best out of every situation. Don't let life get you down. Uh, he was known for a sense of happiness, you know, which which he was always high energy. Yeah. Uh, good morning, right. Vietnam, from Dan Thomas and Tamara Thompson Pruitt. Uh, Anthony Parisi uh, was a talented and gentle soul. I'm reading the yeah. new biography, Robin, which is the book he put out. So far, it's highly recommended. So, want to catch a book? Uh, Shannon Sylvia, I was the only one that enjoyed What Dreams May Come. Did you see that movie or no? No, I didn't. I didn't see it either. So I've got Shannon's the only one enjoyed that. Maybe we Thanks, Shannon. Thank you. Uh, Mike Worth, my cousin, too many to list, but, uh, uh, so I grasp the times that he's gone because it is shocking to watch such a comedy genius. Listen to a lot of stand-up on the road. The best one I like is The Alcoholic. Check them out. Uh, oh, Missy Doubtfire, yeah. classics. Uh, Kennedy Richard, he brought up a good one. His tribute to the American flag. Have you seen that? Where yes, I did. He has the American yes, flag and he gives. Now, there's the improv of the best right there, isn't it? Where he was just given his point of view on life as the American flag. That's amazing. And he must have went on for 10, 15 minutes and he, it was funny and it was patriotic and he really did a great job with that. But uh, It shows a genius that was him that he had embedded with him. He could just take anything, like you said, the At chair. You talk about the chair. Just cover coffee. You can want that chair or anything. We, we can beat that. It's way. natural comedy, right? Yeah. Well, so, you so, got to write down. I know. We sit down and write down jokes. He just goes off. Yeah. Some famous New England comic, and I, I know you put a Bob on. They know the same about Bob. But Bob told us once. Bob's a very good comic, one of the best in New England, and he did a show from years ago, probably in the late '90s. I had this little room in Milton, New Hampshire, 
he met me and Pat Mathlin, another good comic, good friend, big fan. And he says, uh, he goes, boy, I just had to do a show for Private Friday. I had, I had to write 30 minutes of new material. And I come out with 32, I was disappointed. I wanted one. Pat looked at me and he goes, man, we're like a minute of comedy and, and five years <laughs> later. This Some are like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how Robin Williams was. If, if you talk, they can do crowd work and they just play off the crowd. You don't come, and do a, come do a show for the supply company across the street. He probably improv every piece of equipment. Well, some of the comics say they say jokes are from when you don't have material, right. not when you do. You know, if you're right. working with the crowd, right. you don't need any jokes. That's sort of when you get stumped, then you tell a joke. But a lot of comics do it, and, and some can do it, and some can't. Some get out there and they run out of stuff to say, and they need to pre-write. But and I think that Robin Williams was an inspiration to all of us who saw him. And like you, you said too, and I agree with Mark. And maybe he saw something there. But then when he was an early young raw raw, when he hit the movies yeah. or, or when he did a show, like imagine doing that, man. Oh my God, we 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 cringe with you. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Like, that many he, people. But. So when you saw him rise and do that, so it's such an inspiration that no matter what you do, yeah, you're helping people. You know you're helping people. Yeah. I know I'm helping people. But to get at the pinnacle where someone asks you to open up for them, like you've had the opportunity. About or I, I oh know, yeah but, sure you know so you say like wow I can do that you know and years ago you said like well, 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 Larry the cable guy Larry right the cable guy was, uh, know, and it was so fun when the radio station WGIR Rock One Hundred One called me and says we've done a lot of us you want to open up the Larry the cable guy I go where when <laughs> this weekend and I had shows had to push one show I'll drive there and now and wait right but it's like it, it, it was, I was like that with Lenny Clark. I mean, and who would think you know, that, he don't right? just work for anybody. And I mean, no. it was a compliment to me that hey, we'll, we'll work for you. And, he's, so, and he's a great guy. He's he was. Guy. Well, he never forgot where he came from. He was really not yeah. right. He's Cambridge for you, you know. know. And, and he, yeah, but to have that opportunity. And when you were thinking of being a comic or me before I started, I never dreamed that it come along. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm gonna work for these celebrities. Oh yeah. And it was it was a too, Paul. Right, right. She, she was another one you said, we really never forgot where she came from. No, right? and oh. she was really nice. And yeah. she, me and my wife, Robin, like we were best friends for years, but that's the kind of person that she, she Now was, this was before she hit the real big time. It was famous, just right? at the cusp, just because at the cusp she was getting uh, booked as a headliner, and she's in New York, and so my friend made a contact in New York and got her to come out here, and she came out and sold out, and people were like, oh my God, this right. is Lisa Lampinelli, I can't remember that name. The Queen of Me. And you meet her off stage, she was going there. Yeah, not like a rack, right? Yeah, but it worked for her. Yeah, she is best known for that. But yeah, now she's all over the place. You know? Now, I know a lot of comics now, they say when you're on stage, and you know, when you've got 200 people hanging on the edge of their seats to hear the next words that come out of your mouth, there's no high like it is, the ultimate high. Mm -hmm. And when you get off stage, there's nowhere to go but down. Mm -hmm. You can't, and a lot of comics to chase that high they have on stage, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol. I mean, have you ever seen that in the comedy world? And you've been in 25 years. Yeah, I've seen some sad stories. Some real sad that they do involve pot, cocaine, and what have you, or even doing stuff. Uh, just chasing that high yeah. that you can't find on stage. And right. Robert yeah. Williams did. I mean, he had a tragic ending to his life, and uh, I guess you know he committed suicide, which everybody knows. But uh, they said he, you know, he had a bitter divorce with his wife, which yeah. I know all about that. And, he was forced to take on roles that he didn't want to do. Right. He didn't want to do a Mrs. Doubtfire too, because he said he right. didn't want to ruin what he accomplished. But Absolutely. Financially, he was going to do it, which he and he didn't want to, and that wore on him. And later on, they they talked to his wife, and I guess he was diagnosed with some disease where he was going to start losing his mind, and nobody wants to be, you know, lose his mind. And he he chose to take his own life, but I mean, 
it was sad. And I've seen it a lot because I've seen, and I, I know the. Because you've been around a lot longer, right? Yeah, you've but seen even it. with the ten years plus that you've been around, you've seen people who are oh, sure, yeah. and they turn to alcohol. They turn to the bottle. Oh, oh, oh yeah, and it's, it's just awful because so when you get off the stage and people are talking, oh, that was a great job. You're very funny. When are you going to play again? You, when you take the, the bottle, you're pushing those people away, saying like, I got to get this first, and they go to the bottle, and then people say, wow, what a jerk, and, or well, what a waste of time. She's doing like not being with the people because when you get off the stage and people want to talk, yeah, to you, talk like to you said, sure, yeah. you want to talk. It's to an honor. You're honored. You don't want to be like, yeah, I, I, I got to go. Be honored to get like that. I got to go now. Uh, and there are many comics that are like that. But they chase that high, and um, you know, the depression. They say the most depressed people are the ones who turn to comedy. Oh. They're looking to. That's their escape from their depression. Is talking about it, which is true because I mean, I'm an alienated parent, and you know that's. How I deal with it is through comedy talking about it. I have a routine the child support superhero and that's how I deal with my pain through, but it is a painful situation and uh Remember uh, what we talked about a long time ago and one of my better students in class by the way. There's a handful of teachers. But we used to I listen, so a lot of my students that listen. We used, we used to talk about how like a typical comedian is either an alcoholic or some Druggy, the most uh, living in, in their world. basement in their fifties, living with their parents, don't have a job. Some don't have a car. Turn on the you, right. When I started doing comedy, I just have to pick up. A lot of people, people you can't book it, no, because they can't find a ride. You know. Did they, you ever have to drive anything? Like, go I've had to pick some people up. I've had people two days before the show. I got to cancel. I can't find a ride. Then when are you gonna book me again? Well, I can't book you again. You know, okay. you know, not gonna show up, but. I mean, I've never talked about it publicly, not because it was an embarrassment to me, but out of respect for him. But, you know, there's, there's nothing to be embarrassed about mental illness as a no, disease. You know, my best friend I grew up with since we were little kids, he committed suicide. And uh, yeah, it was such, yeah, it was such a painful time in my life. But he worked as a corrections officer up at uh, the prison here in Massachusetts. And he dealt with the worst of the worst people that are in prison and it really messed with his head. And, you know, you can only take so much of it and mental illness. It's a disease, you need to seek help. And after Robin died, I was contacted by a local newspaper and you know, I gave what well, my thoughts of, you know, you're chasing the high when you're off stage and you know, right. it is a depressing people use comedy to fight depression. But at the end I said, you know what, if any good comes out of it, maybe they'll spread awareness to other comics that hey, you don't want to end up like this. This is you know, right. if they turn right. to drugs or alcohol to chase that high, this is how you could end up, you know, by taking your own life. So Because when you see someone like your role model, which I consider him my role model, when I agree, it's suicide like God. I know. Why? And you and shocking. I would ask the same no. question, like, why? Look what he had. We fight to be where he is. He had it. And, he had it. You know, he just. But you know, you don't think that way. You, you know, even my friend, he wasn't thinking straight at the end. It was, it was, it was mental. So if you do have that, every comment, get some help, please. And there's, there's no shame in that. And you know, me, me bringing his name up shows there's no shame. If no. you need help, that's what the people are there for. Okay. Yeah. If your car's broke, you go to a mechanic and get it fixed. If your head's broke, you go to a doctor. You, you have to because you can't. I mean, yeah, it's okay to hide behind comedy, but you just can't do that. It you can't do that at all. Right. It, catches yeah. up. it catches up. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. Yeah. You gotta have someone to at least talk to, whether it's a medical field or a psychological field or what have you. You know. But even if someone picks on, hey, Dennis, I just gotta talk to let up some stuff. That's fine because you yourself know you'd be a good listener. But it may help those people from going over the edge. And, and, and well, even you, when my friend commits suicide, I did a show with you, yeah. and you said you were you were willing to listen. And I recognize yeah. that you were willing to listen. No. So thank you for helping me through that. I do appreciate that. No, but, uh, that was a tough time. We all have tough times to deal with, and 
Yeah, like you said, comedy is a relief for us when we go through that, or even even a relief. Oh, it's an outlet. Oh, it's an outlet. Yeah, sure. You're getting out what you want to say, and people are listening. Right. So, right. And if you can make them laugh about it, maybe. Because even Sam Kinison, I mean, he did a lot of jokes that I did about marriage and divorce, and it, it helped me. I mean, I don't want to say it was therapy, but I mean, right. I knew I wasn't the only one alone going through that. I saw Louis Anderson was on one time, oh, that's right. and he talked. His father was a bad alcoholic, you know, and. He said, you know, I didn't turn into an alcoholic because I was continuing to let him control me if I did that. But I mean, people who are dealing with abuse, when you see Lily Anderson, you know it's a thing. You're not alone. You're not the, you think right, you're the only person, right. and you're not. There's so many people dealing with it. But uh, but like you said, the most important thing is like, don't do it alone or, or, or don't look at it as like, it's, it's embarrassing for me to tell people I've been abused or I'm depressed or, or I don't know how to think straight or I... I, I need something to calm me down, you know. Don't be don't be afraid. You're right because you reach out to a friend, but a friend can only you need some professional help when it gets so bad and my friend was like that. I tried to help him but he was beyond a friend patting him on the back. He needed professional help and it was sad he didn't turn to it, so I hope you know people do if they're a comic right, or anybody right. watching this really turn to it. But uh Absolutely. And, and and it's too bad like a you know, like too bad we were not always hey Robin, well let's get together yeah, right. <laughs> you, you you think anything could help a person through that and, and people don't realize how much they help. Like we don't realize how much we help people when we do comedy and help them therapeutically. But it does the same thing for oh, us. Right. Whatever you're going through and I'm going through, it's like, gee, I forgot about it yeah. because and you know I was able to make people someone, laugh, and I know they appreciate it, but then someone needed money for, for an operation, or, or someone had a house burned down. Right. And, and, but so, but like you said, just... I was saying, if you can do what you love to do and help people out at the same time, it's a win-win. There's yep. no losing that. But, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So we got uh, Robin Williams, the Comedy Store, Happy Days, Mark and Mindy, Popeye, Good Morning Vietnam, the, the comedic roles, the serious roles, uh, the awareness he rose for suicide awareness. Uh, anything else you want to talk about you here before we end here? Uh, just that, that, that he may have helped more people than he thinks. Like you oh, said, sure, the best yeah. story is a make-a-wish story, but I'm sure he did numerous ones of those. Oh, that you don't know about, I'm sure, right. yeah, that he didn't make public. A lot of people don't make it public. So to all comics out there, look at someone like that and say they have a life like you said. Yeah. But also, you can learn from someone like that and too. You, you and that, depression yeah. is a is a terrible thing, and I know people who go through it. Okay. And it's a, and it's a tough thing. It's tough on your mind and your body, and you're susceptible to illness. Yeah. So take Robin Williams as an example. The guy's a saint because of all that he did. But he's letting us know, like, okay, this is what I did. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, right. he, I hate to leave you guys, but I gotta go. Because he led, you know, you, you saw him as a lovable character, but he led the rock and roll lifestyle with, you know, the cocaine yeah. and the drugs and everything. And I remember he was the one who found Belushi in the, yeah. uh, the hotel there. Yeah, We're getting yeah, run out of the my mom called me. See, everybody's calling us. <laughs> Nobody calls until we do a podcast every time. Well, that's good. That's, that's uh, a good thing. All right. Well, Robin Williams uh, catches movies that can happen for the younger generation. Please He's one see of the legends. Come out and see him. Uh, Jerry, until the next time, I thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, brother. Enjoy your day. You enjoy your day. Until next time. Peace out. God, God bless. bless. See ya.